0: Have we got some witnesses in the room? A few witnesses? Oh, don't you love it? I got to that point where it says, my soul is a witness. My soul is a witness. Can you proclaim that today for yourself? My soul is a witness for you, God. My soul is a witness. Is there another witness? Uh, Reverend Vicki reminded us that 12 people got baptized last night, uh, either reaffirming their vows or first-time folks getting baptized. And those were new witnesses. Saying we're making a new step in faith. We're ready to commit to this in a new way in our life and, and doing it through baptism last night. Then on Friday night before, we had uh, the Good Friday service. And in that service was some beautiful music. And then our young people read the story to us. Going through, our young people got up. 12 year olds, 8 year olds, 6 year olds, 4 year olds were reading those last seven sayings of Jesus. I thirst. You know, it felt so different to hear it from our young people. But they were at that age being witnesses and learning what it means that this is the story that defines your life. This is the story. Within which we live and breathe and wrestle and make sense of the world and argue and then celebrate. Because this is the story with which our faith comes. This is the story of why we're here on Easter Sunday. And so we need to be a witness. We need to be a witness to Easter, to Christ's resurrection, to this happening. And so today we're going to remember the very first witness. We're going to remember Mary. The first one who met Christ after resurrection. The first person who was able to have the encounter that then we all have had our own encounter with. Because we don't just depend on Mary's witness. We depend on our own experience of love. Our own experience of God in our lives. Our own experience of joy. Of being healed. Of being made whole. Those are our witness. Those are our story. Even sometimes when it doesn't seem like anything is even possible. And then the impossible happens. So here we are with Mary this Easter morning. She gets ready before it's sunrise. You know anybody like that in your life? She gets ready before the sun comes up. She knows she is not done yet. She knows horrible things have happened in her life and she's not sure what it all means yet, but she knows she cannot stay in bed. She knows she has to gather her spices together because they didn't finish everything they were supposed to do. And she knows that Jesus, the one whom she most knew God's love, Jesus, the one who kept her as family to himself, Jesus, the one who healed her, is in a tomb and needs to have the loving actions done. So she gets up in the middle of the night. She heads to that garden on her own, alone, In the middle of the night I don't know about you But sometimes I have been caught up In the middle of the night And many of those times are moments Where I've been wrestling Because something needs to be done And it hasn't been clear to me yet what it is But for Mary it's clear I don't know what to do to heal the world I don't know what to do to make this go away I don't know any of that kind of stuff But I know I can get my spices together I know I can do what I know how to do. I know I can get my spices together and go to the tomb. So Mary is reminding us that in the morning, in the middle of the night, is when resurrection worked its mystery. When God worked God's love. In the tomb, in the middle of the night, God is doing what we call some womb knitting. Some womb knitting. Creating a new creation. And it works back to Psalm 139 with You created my innermost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. So, here in the darkness of the tomb, God is doing some womb knitting. Each of us is made that way, and resurrection is made that way. In the beginning, in Genesis, in creation, it was also in the darkness. It was in the darkness that God hovered. The spirit hovered and breathed life. Did some womb knitting for creation to come to be. So God's been working in the middle of the night. So Mary just knows she has to get up. She knows she has to get up and go, not yet knowing that experience that she will have. She just knows it, and she probably, in my mind, she already knows that Jesus' love conquers death. And she knows it because she lived with Jesus and walked with Jesus And listen to jesus She knows it because she experienced jesus firsthand and she knows that that love conquers death That healing conquers illness that resurrection can conquer crucifixion. She knows it deep in her bones Even if she doesn't have words yet to say it And she knows it because mary magdalene was possibly the woman that jesus healed who had seven spirits So she knows what it's like to have been healed She knows what it's like to someone have touched her and take away from her that which kept her separate from the rest of the world. Whether it was mental illness or physical illness or addictions, it may have been all of them because she had seven, the scripture says. You might look at your own life and see if you can name seven for yourself and say, Jesus, take them away. But Mary knew that love could overcome death. She knew life abundant could reach her even then and that Jesus was the source of that. She knew it before she got her spices together that morning, even though she didn't know what she would encounter. She knew that Jesus had made her family. In Scripture, often if you have a woman in Scripture, it's usually wife of, mother of, daughter of, sister of. Y'all remember all those references in the Scripture? Mary didn't have any of those. All we know about Mary is that she was from... Magdalene. She was from Magdalene. Where she's from? Nothing about any relationships with anyone. A woman whose name stood on its own without those relationships, Mary Magdalene. We don't know if she didn't have those relationships because it was hard with those seven spirits to have relationships. People might not have invested the time with, that she needed in order to care. We don't know, but we know that Jesus, in Jesus, she found family. Didn't have to be named sister of, brother of, daughter of. She could be disciple of, follower of Jesus. So she knew what it meant to be healed, and she knew what it meant to have a home because of Jesus. She knew in her bones that resurrection was possible even if she didn't have the words for it. And became that first witness for all of us oh goodness mary what more do you have to tell us in your story mary also followed jesus from galilee mary went on the travels mary was there throughout the last week mary was there all of those times and some of our traditions will say that mary was one of the prostitutes that jesus had been encountering and brought healing to you know some of the others of our traditions will say well that's just a modern way to take away her power Because the scripture doesn't say she was a prostitute. but I'm sure you've heard a lot of sermons about the golden-hearted prostitute, you know, Mary. And so, but in this story, even if she was, even if it was how she made her living in that day and time, if she was a sex worker, she'd heard Jesus say the words, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you. So she knew healing. She knew a family. And she knew that whatever her reputation was, Jesus said, You know what? Heaven is going to open the doors to you first. So, did Mary know resurrection? Can we know resurrection now? Can we know it before death? Can we experience it as we are healed from our own seven spirits, however we name them? So, she gets up in the middle of the night, in the dark. To pull her spices together to head for the tomb. And who knows if she was doing the familiar psalm, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. She just knows she has to go into the grief, into that space with funeral spices in her hands. Yea, though I walk through the valley, I'm still gonna walk. I'm not going to let it keep me in bed. Yea, though I walk through the valley, I'm going to get what I have before me and I'm going to do what I can do even if I can't do everything. Yea, though I walk through the valley. Oh God, comfort me, please, comfort me. You may know the hymn. I go to the garden alone. The dew is fresh in the morning by yourself on her own just knowing she had to do it maybe this is our story maybe this is us maybe we get up sometimes not knowing what we're doing but we take the pieces that are around us that we know we can do and we just start walking trying to do the next best thing that god calls us to do maybe with direction maybe without Mary cries and Mary searches and she looks for Jesus. You know, the story says she knelt down and looked into the tomb and there were two angels sitting there. I might have stopped and talked for a while. Mary didn't care at all. Two angels? What's that about? I need me some Jesus. Don't send me these little guys. What have you done with Jesus? Where is Jesus now? She's still in grief. She's still looking. And even when Jesus... As why she's weeping she doesn't recognize the voice yet she doesn't recognize the voice until jesus says the name says mary then her eyes are open and what she knew all along that resurrection was possible over crucifixion that love conquered death she knew all along finally had a name for it and it was the risen christ it finally was there before her and she could then live into it because she responded in an intimate personal way she said rabboni in Aramaic. And that's important in our scripture. They explain it, it says it means teacher, but that's a flat explanation of it. Rabboni means my heart, my soul, my mentor, my leader, my everything. Rabboni, Rabboni, Jesus, you're here. So, in that story of him saying her name and her being able to respond, oh, oh, it is true, it is life. It is resurrection. In our lives, we need to call upon Jesus in those times when we don't know what the next steps are. We need to gather what we can gather and go and trust and expect that something's going to happen that we can't even imagine. And if we try to imagine it too hard, we might screw it up so we shouldn't just shouldn't try to imagine it at all. And if the angels are there, we might be get distracted. We might be looking for Jesus. Who is this risen Christ? Who did Mary find that day? To each one of us can be savior and healer and teacher and redeemer. But what did this risen Christ do first? The first thing the risen Christ did was listen to tears. I'm sure there was a lot to do. But the first thing Jesus did was listen to tears. They were Mary's tears, and had that conversation with her, listening to her tears, meeting her where she needed it most. I think it's a sign for us that our tears matter and that Jesus meets us where we need it the most, even if we don't know what the next things are to do. You already know my story. When I don't know what to do, I make a lasagna. (laughs) When I can't solve the big, huge things in the world, I make a lasagna, you know? I gather up my spices, and I do what I can do, because that's what's possible in the moment. The Gospel of John and Rabboni lets us know of the intimate relationship between Jesus and Mary and what that relationship can be for us. I want to share with you this quote from Reverend Charles G. Adams from Preaching God's Transforming Justice. It goes this way. Our greatest blessings come to us when we can barely see them because we have no reasonable right to expect them. Sometimes there is no empirical, political, social, academic, or economic cause for hope, but still we hope. Often no scientifically verifiable argument for faith exists unquestionably, but still we believe. We have not always seen what we believe, Still, we believe more strongly in what we have not seen than in anything we have seen. Sometimes we look for love and justice and cannot find them, but we still love and serve people who do not love us or seek justice for any but themselves. Sometimes we have no reason to rejoice, but still we rejoice. And here he gets to it. All through the night of doubt and sorrow, eternal life is affirmed. Eternal love is demonstrated and justice made possible by the work of God throughout the night. If we are not careful, we will wait until dawn when we ought to get started during the night. Do not wait till dawn to do the necessary things. I'm reminded of my mother whose name was also Mary. And I'm reminded how many times I would get up in the middle of the night and she'd be in her chair praying. Her usual prayer time was 4, but if something else bothered her it might be 3:30. You know, I remember the time that I was old enough in Texas at that time it was 18 to go discotechning. Came, came home at four in the morning only to find mom praying there. <laughs> she had extra prayer time that night. That, in the dark. But in the dark, I knew she was there with what she had, giving her heart for God's people and for those she loved and saying those prayers that certainly came my way. And that I needed because she believed in god's resurrection and jesus to be able to do What the scripture says To bring us healing to bring us hope to bring us eternal life My favorite reading in all of scripture i'm going to share with you now because I think it makes a difference Whatever you're going through in the world right now. Jesus will come to us. We sing this also often at funerals uh, Do not let your hearts be troubled believe god Believe also in me. For in God's house, there are many dwelling places. Sometimes it says rooms. Sometimes it says mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you? I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also there's where I cry. I don't necessarily cry at crucifixion or the losses in the world, but I cry when Jesus says, I will come to you and take you to myself. So my mom, who's no longer with me, I know that Jesus met her and said, Mary, and took my mom to Christ's self. And for each of us, that's the promise That I know and that can bring me to tears. Okay, Jesus, bring me to yourself. And I think like Mary Magdalene, we need to know in our own bones and body already the truth of resurrection before we see it on that day. Because the healing, the joy, the life, the family is already there for us. But we as a people have a difficult time doing it. I like this quote from Richard Rohr, who puts it this way. Talks about the cross. The cross is the banner of what we do to one another and to God. The cross is what the world does. Resurrection is the banner of what God does to us in return. Whatever the world does, God says, no, Whenever love is not lifted, God says no. Through all these things, resurrection occurs in our world, in our life, every day. For me, I choose Easter. For me, I choose resurrection. I want to show up before daylight with whatever I can, even if it means I have to make a lasagna again. And choose Easter because God's life abundant calls me to do so. This church chooses Easter. This church chooses resurrection. Heck, this church is named resurrection. You know? What about that? We started over 45 years ago before dawn in the dark. A prayer group coming together to see what might it mean to form a community of faith that believed that people on the margins could come together and find healing. And that Jesus would be present in that place and time and offer healing. And Christ would take us to Christ's self. They met in the dark. Met in some bars. Met in some homes. Finally met in a bicycle shop. Finally then met in a church. You know, and then once they got known a little bit, the Ku Klux Klan showed up and burned a cross on the yard. But there in the dark, our people gathered, teams of two, 24 hours, around the clock, to protect the pastor and protect the church. We believed in resurrection. We knew God wanted us to exist. We believed that whatever crucifixion was happening in the world, that God had another word to be said, and that we could be a part of that word. Then as time went on, we knew what it meant like to see people in pairs to sit bedside As people died, as half our congregation, 50% of the people in the room, died to HIV and AIDS, we knew what it meant at that time to gather our spices together, to go sit by the bed in pairs and in families of people so that others would know that they were loved and not forgotten. We knew what resurrection was and practiced it daily in this life, praying for Christ to come and be with us each and every step of the way. We knew what it was like when this sanctuary was flooded and the four feet of water was in this space. We knew what it was like to in teams and pairs to say, new life can come out of this. Resurrection is possible and to put on waders and walk in, wade into that water for change to happen. We believe in resurrection like our name. We believe that no, whatever is before us, God has something more to say. God has something more to say to us in Christ, we do believe, we do practice resurrection. Whether we're grieving and not sure of our emotions, we continue to show up. Whether we're threatened and the world says bad things about us, we continue to show up. Whether nature seems to be against us or not, we show up. Because 45 years ago, someone in the dark prepared, when I was 12 years old, that there might be a place for a short, white, gay pastor to come and preach. (laughs) Just doing the next right thing, not knowing. And so we celebrate Easter. We celebrate those 45 years, and we know we're not done. We know there is more yet that God calls us to do. And we're celebrating that the next two weeks. We know that we're going to make our $75,000 campaign. We know we're going to do beautiful things with that. We're all, we know we're going to help people. We know that the window with the two plywood patches on it is going to get fixed. If you haven't believed in resurrection yet, there's time. You know, we know there's other things in our building that need to be fixed as well, and some of that money will go to that, but it's not just for loving our home. It's also for loving our neighbor. We know that our primarily Spanish speaking LGBT community here in Houston don't have a home, and we know we're going to start that home for those as they come and be with us. And if you don't know him, I want to introduce you today. The leader of that group is Reverend Ulysses Perez, and he's sitting over here at the same (laughs) time. And that won't be all. We know that we'll have to have resources for that. We know there's more yet to come because as we continue to bring, to build porches for people, you know what a porch is. It's where you're not ready to go inside yet, but you'll come have a sip of lemonade, right? Build porches for God's people out there that need to hear about God's love. And so those are what those resources will go for. And we know that we don't even realize how we are pulling our spices together in the dark, that God's going to turn into resurrection in a way we cannot imagine, but we'll just do the next right thing. People of resurrection, have I got a witness? Are you a witness? All right, let our souls be a witness to God who does so many great things. Happy Easter, happy resurrection day. Know that God calls you to get up, even when you don't know, and be ready for the unimaginable to become possible. Amen.